0: Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. I'm Scott.
1: And I'm Amy.
0: We've been married for almost 24 years.
1: We have four kids.
0: We live in the Dominican Republic.
1: We're missionaries.
0: We're both educators, have pastored together,
1: and love mentoring others.
0: Oh, and we love sharing our stories.
1: Join us for this real talk about how to get more out of this thing called life.
0: Well, hey, welcome to episode four of the So Much More podcast. Can you believe we made it to episode four?
1: So exciting. So
0: exciting. Four kids, four episodes. This just might be the last one. Uh, Joking, of course, because we're right in the middle of a series on marriage called The Four for More, a real talk about marriage. We've been trying to cover these four essentials. To help you discover more for your marriage. These aren't by any stretch the only four. These are just four things that we have found over the years that would be really meaningful for us. So recapping episode one or week one of the series was about being your spouse's cheerleader, which was super fun with our daughter, Emma. Uh, Last episode, we talked about communication and we had our youngest two daughters join us on that episode. Uh, How's the communication going, by the way?
1: What? What'd you say? Ah, you're not even listening. listening. (laughs) I can
0: read it all over your face. Uh, We talked about non-verbals. We talked about how to communicate uh, better in your marriage. Gave you some challenges. I hope you've been enjoying the challenges and trying them out. Uh, Of course, follow us on social media at our So Much More uh, Facebook and Instagram. We've been posting up the challenges there as well as some, some fun little things you can do like a bingo game, stuff like that you can do with your spouse along the way. So... We're going to jump right into uh, this part three, which is today talking about connection. And as we're recording this, we are still in the midst of the coronavirus worldwide pandemic. Uh, hopefully starting to see the maybe the, the ease of that around the world. It's hard to know ahead of time what's going on. It's hard, certainly hard to, to predict uh, where this thing is going, but... Um, it's been interesting because it, during the midst of this pandemic, really worldwide, uh, people staying at home, people working virtually. I don't know about you, but, uh, I've been feeling the effects of isolation. So we've been at home pretty much the whole time. We get out a little bit every day, kind of walk the neighborhood or, or ride around. But, uh, just being with the same four people all day, every day, uh, I'm starting to feel that I don't know about you. What do you think?
1: It's amazing.
0: Oh, you're liking this? I like it. Oh, okay. So that's coming from the introvert uh, who doesn't mind being isolated. It helps you recharge. But enough's enough already. So you may not have realized how important connection is until you don't have it. So everybody's tried different things to stay connected to family and work and uh, friends. And so connection can be tough. It's super important, but it's very difficult to maintain. I have... Had the honor of helping people through marriage difficulties as a pastor counseling dozens and dozens of couples along the way. And there are common themes that surface when a couple comes to to meet with a pastor or to go meet with a counselor. And what I ran across quite a bit in the community where we were at before was a couple got married as they were young, they began to have their kids. Uh, He generally was working super hard, trying to maintain the middle-class, upper-class living that they had become accustomed to. She got bored looking for connection, looking for some way to still, I guess, to have life, to have excitement in in life. And so whether it was with other friends and getting busy with that or meeting another another man, uh, the lack of connection was so obvious, and many times as you hear their stories, It was this slow progression of really neglecting to stay connected to one another that got them to my office and sadly many times led to separation or divorce. So it's a super important topic. Uh, We want to start off by kind of defining what it is.
1: Connection is a noun. It's a state of being when two or more people or things are linked together. Connect is a verb. To link, bind, or unite together. Whenever I think of connect or connection, I always think about Jacob's little, where they connects. Yeah, they really, connects. Uh-huh. And he had this little toolbox, and he had all these things with the little Legos, and he would build things, right, connecting things together in order to form something new or unique.
0: The fact is, we were designed for connection. If you look in Scripture. Uh, At the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, as God was creating the world, creating the universe, creating man, the Bible tells us that he had a desire for connection. And it says, chapter 2, starting in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up, closed up the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then he said, this is at last his bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taking, taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So it's this idea that from the beginning of time, God created man and wife to be connected.
1: It's part of God's design for the man and the woman to feel connected. Our hearts long for a connection. If you're married, you have the opportunity to be connected to your spouse. In fact, for a joy-filled, healthy marriage, you must work to not only maintain that connection, but also grow that connection. Because every season in your marriage looks different, right? When you have the little kids and the kids start growing, no kids, grown children, empty nesters, every season in that marriage looks different. And so you have to continue to work on staying connected. You have to deepen it for all of us those who are married and those who are single this desire for connection is also what draws us to god if we didn't desire to be connected then that pull towards a relationship with jesus wouldn't be there he desires to have a healthy and joyful relationship with you in our many many years of not just walking alongside other couples, you know, like peers. So so the ones who've been married just as long as us, or the ones that we've mentored, or we would um, put together some marriage retreats in our pastoring church days. And those are always so much fun for us. But Every time, we, you know, you do research and you read books and you, you try to figure out what the experts are all saying, and there's a few different types of connections, different little connecting points within your marriage that would rise to the top. And one of them is exactly what we were just talking about when I was talking about that heart connection. It's a spiritual connection. What does it look like to be spiritually connected? I think that years ago I would have said it meant we had to agree on everything theological. Every point. But as years have gone by and and he has experienced life and I have experienced life, and individually and as a couple, or what he has studied and read and what I have studied and read and what he has wrestled with God and what I have wrestled with God, what I've discovered is not that we necessarily need to agree on everything spiritually, that we need to agree on the big things, right? That we, Scott and I, are aligned with the big parts of our theology, But some of the nuances really just lead to awesome discussions between my husband and I as we talk about it, as we wrestle with them together and try to figure out what we think it means, our interpretation, um, when we look at the words. And I think that those discussions, honestly, the ones where we're trying to determine what we think something means and how that applies to our life, those are some of the best discussions we've had in our marriage.
0: I think what it doesn't mean is that you're both at the same point of your journey at the same time. That's really an impossible thing, depending on your, your background, your story, how you came to know Christ. Uh, maybe one or both of you are not believers, and so you're trying to figure out what this spirituality thing is all about. What is this faith in God, this relationship with God even about? But the, I think the key is when it comes to spiritual connectedness, is that you're able to have conversations about it you're able to work through your doubts and and questions together Uh, even if you're at a different place in your journey when you feel most spiritually connected is when you're both progressing forward when you're both moving towards the lord again at a different pace at a different place along the way because that's the way he's designed each of us and we have our own stories but that you're able to talk about things and experience that journey together.
1: It's the willingness to to be vulnerable and to talk about those things, whether or not you're in the same place.
0: And again, the question of what what if one of you doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe both of you don't. It, the, the Bible talks about this. It talks about how uh, just by, for example, if you have one spouse that's a Christian and one that's not, there's a point at which the believing spouse can encourage, can um, share what they're learning along the way, and of course, pray a lot for your spouse. Uh, But at some point, there's only so much you can say that's going to convince them. The way that you're going to convince your spouse, if he or she's not a believer, is by the way you live out your faith. And so the encouragement, even though there may not be a connection point yet spiritually, uh, the believing spouse has a great opportunity to demonstrate the difference that Jesus has made and share those experiences in a loving, patient way. And and I've seen in many stories where over time, that's what it takes for the other spouse to come to that point. And then there's a new experience that's begun between the two of you. So it takes time, Uh, again, prayer and patience and seeking the Lord's wisdom on how to approach it without nagging too much and and scare anybody off. Uh, but that spiritual connectedness connectedness may not be there just yet, but it's possible if you continue forward in your journey. So we talk about spiritual connectedness. The next one is emotional or mental connectedness. Uh, this idea emotionally is when you're able to share your feelings and your heart with one another. Uh, you you really got to know your spouse. We talked to the, about this before, but you've got to get to know who they are. Before it was their their dreams and their hopes and goals. Now, it's just having a sense of knowing them and being known by them. For you to be connected at an emotional level, those are prerequisites. You got to be able to share what's going on in your heart. You got to be able to be vulnerable. You got to be able to listen and hear what's going on with them. The more you can do that, the more you're going to feel connected emotionally. And then mental connectedness is being able to have lively intellectual conversations it it's unless you uh are the rare couple out there chances are you see things differently. What? Yeah, let me say it again. You might see things differently, particularly when it comes to it could be religion, it could be finances, it could be politics. We happen to be in political campaign season, so we've had some uh I don't know, would you say lively conversations?
1: I don't think they're lively. I think I do a lot of talking and you do a lot of poking at me.
0: Oh, I'm poking at you. Well, here's the thing. You, we've come from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different families, different uh, situations, and we just have separate, independent minds. So we read things and we see different perspectives there. We just don't agree on everything intellectually, politically. And so the question for you would be, can you have those conversations and still like each other? At the end of the day,
1: hmm. well, I still like you. At the end of the day, for sure, and I think it's interesting because there are some things that you and I both read about or or could be passionate about and want to have lively discussions because we, you know, like we believe in this thing. And then there are some things that we have discussions about where you'll even say, "Well, I know you've read more." Like your perspective is because you've read more things on that particular issue, and it's simply because. I'm excited about it and I want, I desire this this knowing to understand it more. And then there's other times when you talk about things and I look at you and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's way over my head, but it's just because it's not something that I'm passionate about. But we can still have a discussion without one of us being condescending, without one of us putting the other one down for not knowing, um, without making someone feel stupid, Right,
0: right. And the thing is this idea if you're one of the people that just has to be right.
1: I don't know what you're trying to say.
0: Um, it's gonna it's likely gonna cause you some issues, okay because here's the thing. Uh, you may be right.
1: I probably am. I'm glad you admitted it. Can well, we just cut? Stop there. Stop there. We're going to edit right after yeah, you Maybe right. I'm kind
0: of talking hypothetically, of course, uh, to oh. the, the listener out there. <laughs> okay. yeah. You might be right about a particular subject or an issue in your marriage. And if being right is more important than staying connected to your spouse, well, congratulations, you're right. As one of our pastors used to say, awesome. You're right, but you're alone because you're going to run off everybody in your life. And not just your spouse, but other friends and families and close associates and people that you want to have connectedness with, but your insistence on being right is going to be a problem. So can you have conversations? Can you see things from different perspectives and share those? And at the end of the day, still love each other and like each other and, and still feel connected. All right. Another type of connection uh, will be physical. And this most obviously has to do with sex, such an important part of the marriage relationship. Uh, but physical intimacy, physical connection is not just sex, it is any other type of physical contact. It's anything else that um, when you're with your spouse, you sense that a physical connection with. It, it may be holding hands as you're walking down the, the mall or walking in the park, it might be a hug, knowing. Uh, Because of your connectedness, knowing when your spouse needs that physical touch, Uh, some people uh, thrive on physical touch. And if you know your spouse, you know how to then provide that sense of connectivity through the physical connection.
1: Okay, I just have to jump in for a second. Because what I know to be true, based on conversations with other women, whether they're friends or sitting around a table at a Bible study and having discussions, what I know to be true is that there are some women who have, whether it's a physical issue with intimacy or an emotional hang-up with intimacy, um, whether that is because of past abuse, uh, some sort of harmful experience or a wrong, sometimes it is also like incorrect or wrong thinking. I don't know if that's phrased the right way, but it's that, it's the thinking and the words that you replay in your head that aren't truth, but yet you replay them and they're affecting your relationship. If that is you, if you hear me say that and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I think you're talking about me, there is a book that I highly recommend. It lays out all of those issues I can possibly think of that would be a hang-up for, for women with intimate issues. and It's called... Intimate issues because they definitely wanted you to know what it was about.
0: Oh, that's a good book.
1: It's by Linda Dillo. We'll, we're going to put it in our show notes, but it's it's an amazing book. I have um, I helped facilitate a small group on it years and years and years ago. But I take it with me from move to move to move, and when I'm having a conversation with a woman and she's just she's got questions or she's asking. And struggling, and I can see it, and I hand it off to her, and she reads it, and then she hands it back to me. So it is definitely one that I highly recommend.
0: And guys, I would recommend you look it up as well and buy it for your wife. Uh, the book's great. I don't know that I've ever read it all the way through, but as Amy was reading it over and over and, and pointing things out, uh, there's it's an interesting read because it does, from a biblical perspective, talk about great freedom within your sexual relationship within marriage. So take a look at, I want to add a little disclaimer here. Amy mentioned abuse and there's certainly both men and women who come into a marriage relationship with baggage, with abuse in the past that will affect uh, intimacy. And so you need to be aware of that um, in that relationship and give grace where grace is needed. And then the other thing I'll say real quickly before we move on is the issue of pornography, particularly with men. Yes, I know it's something that women also deal with, but Uh, There's really, for guys, no other quick way to crush the intimacy in your marriage than pornography. And it's much, much deeper than just a visual thing, some fantasy thing. Uh, It can very quickly uh, destroy the physical intimacy and the physical connection in your marriage. And so if you have either of those things, I want to encourage you. Uh, to seek uh, professional help. If you have abuse in the past that you haven't dealt with that's affecting your marriage now, um, seek some assistance with that. And then men, if pornography is a thing, uh, get some support with that, whether it's an accountability partner or friend who can help you uh, manage through that because it will affect your marriage. And if it's happening, one of the quickest ways to increase connection is to fight that and, and really to kill it As part of your life. So, all right, what's next?
1: The next form of connection is companionship. Okay, so anyone who has spent any amount of time in our presence knows that Scott is my most favoriteest person in the entire world. I mean, even more than Zoe, just don't let Zoe know. I enjoy Scott. Like if I could just hang out with one person every day all day, it is Scott. Do we like all the same things? No. Do I want to learn to play the guitar alongside him? Not really. Do I want to hang out with um, my female friends on occasion? Um, Yeah. But at the end of the day, is he the person I most want to be around? Do I enjoy being with him? Yes. He's my forever companion. But that doesn't always just happen spontaneously. Okay, so it probably does happen in the beginning of the relationship, and then some of those things you enjoyed, you realize you either stopped enjoying or you were just faking it because it was a new relationship or you've grown out of it, and you have new interests. And that is, this is definitely one of those things that you have to work on over and over and over. What can we do now in order to hang out together? What are some of the things that we just genuinely enjoy doing together? And if you cannot think of anything, then you guys need to dream up some things to do together so that you can just enjoy being with your spouse.
0: Like league bowling.
1: Okay, so I haven't <laughs> seen any bowling alleys in the Dominican Republic. So think of something else.
0: Oh well, I was thinking for the the listening audience, you know. Oh, the, oh so
1: then yes, you guys should yeah, definitely go bowling. bowling.
0: Is so fun. Yeah. Uh, or sand definitely. volleyball, paired sand volleyball. Go for that. Find something. It's fun to do. Um, all right. So here's the thing: when you're feeling disconnected from your spouse, it might just be that to create connection or to develop and grow that connection, it might mean you got to start with yourself. There may be some things in your own life uh, that you don't quite understand about you. And it's going to be really difficult to connect with someone else or expect your spouse to know how to connect to you if you don't even know about yourself. And so we want to encourage you. There's some great resources that we've used uh, to to learn how you feel, what you feel, how you react to things in certain situations. What do you look like when you're healthy? What do you look like when you're not healthy? Uh, and there are some great resources. And
1: these resources are great for you to figure out yourself, but also each other and your spouse and your marriage.
0: For sure. So we're going to list them here. We'll put them on the links onto our show notes. You can go back and look at those. Uh, on the show notes, if you click on those for a book in particular, if you click on the link's there. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can order that book, uh, and it'll be delivered to you, assuming that Amazon is still delivering stuff. So um, so here they are. One of them is Amy has really, uh, I don't know, the last year and a half or two years, has really like gone full head steam like off the deep end into the Enneagram.
1: It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. If you're not familiar with the Enneagram, look it up, Google it. But there's a book called The Road Back to You and another book called Becoming Us. And both of them will help you discover, help you discover more about yourself uh, and how that plays out in relationships, in particular in marriage, and even in work and with your kids. So Enneagram Absolutely. books are great. There's also the Five Love Languages book, which is really a marriage classic. It'll help you and your spouse determine how do you feel loved and how do you express love. It's a game changer for your connectedness in your marriage. There's a book called His Needs, Her Needs, Similar type of thing. What are the top five things that men need? And what are the type five things women need? Again, learning these things about yourself, learning these things about your spouse will help you a long, long way. And there's one last book called Love and Respect. Again, we'll link all of these books on our show notes page. We encourage you to pick up a couple of them, uh, read them together, and discuss them. It'll help you quite a bit.
1: I highly recommend the books. They are so, so good. And we have seen them give... Husbands and wives a perspective that they needed to have in their marriage and on their spouses on themselves The bottom line is is when you're feeling disconnected You have a choice You can take action in order to become more connected Or you can just choose to sit there and do nothing When I was reading song of songs Which I don't okay. I do try to read through the bible Every year, every other year, I try really hard. Like, I mark it off because I'm a to do like, list maker. So I like checking things off. And I'll read Song of Songs, and there's always a few verses that jump out at me. And then I'll read it, and then there's verses where I'm like, I kind of feel like I shouldn't be reading it. I feel like.
0: Oh, that's really good stuff. Come on now. I,
1: yeah. But in chapter three.
0: Oh, wait, real quick, guys, if you're looking for this a secret tip here, if you're looking for like some real good, like, biblical poetry, just pull out a couple of verses of this. Be careful which ones you pull out because um, some of them, there's a lot of references to like nature and animals and things that Solomon used in his writing. But there's some beautiful poetry there. Spring it on your wife. Write a little note for her in her lunchbox or whatever. If you
1: said anything to me like, oh, you're, you are beautiful and you're thighs are like a cow or something like that uh, yeah. i would not speak to you for like, a really long time yeah
0: like your nose is as big as the something uh, yeah, yeah that's all we, in there but anyway yeah great stuff go ahead i'm sorry okay
1: you. in chapter three it says this in my bed at night i sought the one i love i sought him but did not find him i will arise now and go about the city through the streets and the plazas i will seek the one i love i sought him but did not find him The guards who go about the city found me. I asked them, have you seen the one I love? I had just passed them when I found the one I love. I held on to him and would not let him go. That's what I think about when I think about being disconnected, when something isn't right in your marriage and you have those two choices. I say you choose pursuing. I say that you choose. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to look for you just like she did. She sought him. She asked the guards, where is he? And then it says when that she found him, it says that she held on to him and would not let him go. And I think that that's what we're called to do as a wife. It is what we are called to do as a husband to pursue and to seek and do everything you can to stay connected.
0: And here's the thing. She mentioned this before, but if you're at a place not feeling connected now, you could say that you're, you're stuck. Maybe in that relationship. Not stuck like I can't get out of it, but your relationship is stuck. All right, there's a difference. Right? <laughs> stuck, there's a big difference. I can't move. <laughs> I'm stuck, help. We're not talking about escaping. We're talking about getting unstuck. And so if you find yourself stuck right now in this area of connectedness, you need to recognize something. Uh, it's, it's certainly not all your fault. There's two people involved here. Each of you own part of this responsibility for why the relationship is stuck. And so you got to recognize that. you got to own the part of it that's yours. But here's the thing. Even if you're not fully responsible for why you're stuck, you are 100% responsible for getting unstuck. So you got to start to do something. And don't wait for the other person. Take, take the effort. Uh, chase after. Pursue, like Amy was saying. And, and make intentional decisions to connect. Sometimes it's it's enough just to be in the same room. Like we're in the same room. Well, we've been in the same room a lot. Like you probably have with your spouse, because there's not uh, there's only so many rooms in the house. And, when and I just keep
1: chasing you around, yeah,
0: and I keep going to another room, and there she is. It's like, oh, there she is. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, being together, whether you're, even if you're doing something different, you might one might be reading a book, the other one's on on watching TV or or read the newspaper or talking to the kids. Sometimes just the physical proximity can help. So you've got to spend some time together. Uh, But most of the time, that's not enough long-term, okay? Because a lot of spouses share space. They
1: make excellent roommates.
0: They're the best roomies, but they're not connecting. So it's more than just being in the same space. That's a start. More often, it takes some intentional planning and activity. We talked about having weekly meetings uh, where you sit down and walk through what's going on in your family, what's going on in your life. That's a connection point. Having a date night regularly, whether it's every week, every other week, once a month, that's a connection point. Do something together. Have a hobby. Go on a walk. Uh, Hey, league bowling, if that's your thing. Whatever it is, go golf together or ride bikes. uh, Play music. Do something together. Connection points. Pursue a creative outlet together. Read a book together. Hang out. Talk. Dream together. Play cards. Whatever it is, there's things that you can find to do that will help you intentionally connect to your spouse. It's so important.
1: It is so important because when I think at different moments in time, like in our marriage, the times when I am feeling disconnected to you, Scott, are often the times that I remember being like out of sorts. Like everything just completely off when I wasn't connected to you. Or it was because I wasn't connected to God. Every single time. If I'm noticing a pattern of behavior on my end in the way that I'm speaking to my children or just being overly agitated about things or discontent with my personal ministry, or, I mean, I could the list could go on, right, of all the ways in which I'm just feeling off. If I look for the root of why, it's always one of two things. I'm disconnected from God or I'm disconnected from you. So knowing that, if i just seeking and pursuing my relationship with Jesus and I'm seeking and pursuing a healthy relationship with my spouse. Not that everything's perfect, but I don't feel as off. It so reminds me of this book I read years and years ago. Okay, so I, I'm an avid reader, like a slightly obsessed, which is probably why I'm enjoying this whole coronavirus thing. Hours and hours and hours where I can just read And I can stay up late, late, late because I could sleep in. It's amazing. Yeah. How do you do that? Oh, it's just like so amazing. Okay. So I'm an avid reader. And years ago, I read a fiction book. And it's just silly fiction, right? Most of the time when I tell Scott, hey, I want you to read this book, it's usually like a nonfiction, like Christian self-help or like Habit Making or the Enneagram book, those are usually the ones I'm like, hey, read these. I, I think this is the only fiction book I've ever handed to him and said, I really think it would be good for you to read it. And it was a Nicholas Sparks book, which is odd to me that this is one of the books that I'm going to talk about. But it's called The Wedding. It takes place after The Notebook, which was the movie, and The Wedding will never be made a movie, um, unfortunately. But the reason I loved this book is because it is about an ordinary couple, like, Kids are leaving the house, right? They're all gone. And they have this moment where the wife wakes up one day and she's so disconnected from her marriage and her spouse that she just wants to leave. And he had no idea that it was happening. And I remember handing it to Scott and saying, hey, if, if you were to read a fiction book, I think this is a good one because it's a good reminder about where things can go and how they can go that way without either party being like the evil person in the book. It's simply because they were no longer connected in their marriage. Did I read it? You did read it. Oh, I don't, remember, don't it. remember it. You just don't remember it. so It was that good. You, okay, you said you read it. So what you might be admitting to is that you didn't now, read it. No, I'm
0: sure I remember that because there's, again, not much fiction I read ever. Uh, and I remember you giving it to me. I'm sure I read it.
1: You could check it out on a Kindle library book and great. you can read it. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but if it's not going to ever be a movie, like what's the point? Because the Nicholas Sparks movies are just so amazing. So um, I've seen a few of those. but Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So, hey, here we go. Uh, one little bit of perspective as well. We've, look, this quarantine thing, whatever, like... We, if you have to admit in your life right now, this is most people I think in 2020. Uh, we have this craving, we have this obsession with feeling connected to what's going on in the world. Think of social media. What do you do first thing in the morning? You pick up your phone, uh, you scroll through Facebook feed or Twitter or Instagram, whatever you do. You go to your news apps. You're reading what's going on, what's the update? You know what's what's happening in the world. We want to feel connected. And so we, we thrive on that. We seek that out all day long. What I've noticed since I've moved here is my phone goes dead a lot quicker than it used to. I think it's maybe because it's getting older or because it's like always constantly roaming in another country. I don't mm. know how that works. But here's the thing. Getting connected to your spouse is just like recharging your phone. So you start to watch that power indicator slowly fade throughout the day, and at some point, it, depending on your personality, if it gets like below half, you start getting anxious. Some of you let it get down to like five percent, and you're like, "Oh, I best I better go charge my phone." Everybody's different, but the the same thing is is the case no matter which person you are. We start feeling anxiety rise because we realize that when that phone goes dead, as the power starts to fade, we're going to lose connection. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's going to go dead. I'm going to miss something. Somebody's going to send me an email or a text or call me, or there's going to be some new thing on my Facebook feed. And everybody's going to know the joke before I know we have this obsession. And so just as your phone starts to slowly die without being recharged, your marriage will do the same. It's a slow fade. And, And if you're not aware of that, and staying connected. Uh, as the phone starts going off, as your marriage starts fading, the anxiety, the disconnection, the stress, the worry, all of that begins to rise, and that's not healthy for your marriage. So stay connected, keep it charged up, make those deposits, uh, love one another, spend time with one another, and then you'll get through day by day feeling the connection that you need. All right, so we're going to wrap up with some challenges as we have. Again, I hope you've enjoyed these. I encourage you to uh, do these with your spouse, answer them together, share them together, and then you know post. Let us know how you feel about it. Email us. Let us know if, uh, if they're helpful to you. The first one is this. Together, complete the statement. One area in our marriage where we feel disconnected is blank. One area we feel disconnected in is blank. And in order to improve the connection, we will blank.
1: Put in an action.
0: All right. So it could be, for example, we feel disconnected in our finances. Uh, She's spending, I'm saving. She's saving, I'm spending. Whatever it is. We're not connected. We're not on the same page. It's a source of stress and anxiety and fighting and just, ugh, in our marriage. So what are we going to do? One thing to improve it in this area of financial connection is we're going to sit down together once a week, look at the budget, look at the bank. Talk about it, make some goals, cut back on some things, save some money, whatever. You get the picture. So talk about it, and uh, and that'll help you along the way. Second thing is, how often do you have date nights? This is not so much a challenge. This is a question. How often do you have date nights? Determine how often it is, how often you need them in this stage of life. If you're raising little kids, it, sometimes it's harder to make that happen. If you're empty nesters, you're like, oh, we're around each other all the time. There's nobody to distract us. You still need to have intentional time together. So put them on your calendar, make them a priority, follow the challenges, talk about the things, have regular dates. It'll be a great way for you guys to connect with one another.
1: And I think that I like how you said in that season of life, because just because you have had a date night once a month for 10 years does not mean that in this season, maybe it needs to be once a week. Because as you are becoming disconnected or the connections change and life changes, the frequency in which you need to set aside that time, like set it aside away from children or set that time aside away from the home, it's going to change. Okay, so we had a question, Scott. I kind of enjoy this question Oh, I love a questions. Lot. All right, what is it? This is one that could, between us, cause... A li- what did you say? A lively discussion, a lively debate. Sure. Okay. Let's right. see. Let's see. The question is: okay. Do you think that you have to be in love to get married?
0: Do you have to be in love to get married? Wow. What do you think?
1: No, no, no. You first.
0: Me first. Um, I'll say this. Um, I, I again, as a pastor, have done dozens and dozens and dozens of premarital counseling sessions and weddings. And I would say the majority of people that I have counseled or married um, believe...
1: You've only married one person. Ah,
0: I married you. (laughs) Uh, The people I have done their weddings for them. Uh, Majority of them, believe it or not, they believe they're in love. I mean, the simplest way for me to think of it is, why would you get married if you're not in love? What do you think?
1: Okay, so I think it's tricky because there are people that we know... That, because of cultural like beliefs and the way that the their culture and their family work there's like arranged marriages kind of it was like a newer version of that, but they may not have been in love necessarily when they got married, but they chose mm. to connect to get to know each other, and the love grew so i Like, I would want to say, yes, in the ideal, perfect world, of course you should be in love. But you've also married people, and we have had friends who 100% were in love when they got married, but then their marriages were over within 10 years because love was not enough in the end.
0: So you're talking about like arranged marriage 2.0.
1: It is. Like the
0: modern version. I mean,
1: it's not like they just show up and, oh, there they are. They Uh do get to know them a little bit beforehand, but we know... I mean, I can think of three to four couples off mm-hmm. the top of yeah. my head, and they are very much in love and have happy, content, joy-filled, godly marriages. And they it wasn't like the dating, falling in love, and like this passionate thing that we think of when we think of American marriages. Yeah. And yet they've worked because of the commitment they made and their pursuit to stay in love and to stay connected. Because really... Just marrying someone because you love them isn't enough. We know people now, looking back, they thought, they thought that they were in love, but they really weren't, right? They were checking something off their list.
0: Well, I would say this. It's more than a feeling.
1: <laughs> more than a
0: feeling. Okay, just kidding. No, it really, it is. Um, yeah, I think, I think culturally, if we're talking to mostly Western American listeners, the arranged marriage thing is rare, right? Uh, most of us, I think most couples I married walk into it saying, yeah, we're in love. Of course we are. Now we talk about some things and you can kind of peel back the layers and realize that it's not, you gotta get to a point of understanding. It's not just the feeling of love. It's not just an emotion because that will fade quicker than you think. Uh, so can you get married without being in love? I sure. I guess you can. Uh, do you need to be in love to get married? I would hope so. I mean, to be able to start off strong, other than an arranged marriage situation, again, that's a little bit different. But to start off as strong as possible, I would hope you're walking into a marriage relationship with a sense of love that's only going to grow from there. It's not going to sustain it long-term, but it's a good place to start.
1: It's funny because I think about like when the kids were little, and we would meet other couples who had a kid the similar age, and we would joke about an arranged marriage. Oh, that, you know, this family's amazing, and and like in my head, I would want to pick the spouse for Jacob and Emma Grace because I just feel like I know what they need in their life. But the truth of the matter is, what I want most for them is to get married because that they're in love. Sure.
0: All right, well, hey, we're going to wrap this up. We just want to encourage you, as you think about this idea of marriage, this series, Four for More, the four essentials to help you discover more. Look, there's more out there. If you're in a marriage right now and you're not feeling connected, you're not feeling a sense of intimacy in one area or more areas of your life, not game over. You can still work on it. Find some tools, find some resources, reach out, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, talk to a good friend who can give you some advice because there's so much more for you. When you feel connected and when you feel intimate, the intimacy with one another in every area, you will have a better marriage and you will experience the more there is for you in this relationship.
1: Thanks for listening. And like Scott has said, the all the links for the books that we've mentioned are all in our show notes. You can also get to them like from our website so muchmore.me. Also, if you want to go over some of these same main points and a few other things, just to dive in a little deeper, check out our blogs for this week.
0: Thanks for joining us. The next and final episode of this marriage series coming up next week is on commitment. I know don't run away guys. don't be afraid. Tune in, learn what it means to have commitment in your marriage. Really, we saved it for last because we feel like it's one of the most, if not the most important part of having a healthy marriage for you to discover more in your marriage. So check it out, go to our website, so much more.me, check out all of our blogs. The previous episodes are there. If you're listening on iTunes, scroll backwards, you can find them there. Uh, send us an email, let us know how you feel. Let us know if you have any questions. We still need questions for the upcoming episodes. Anything having to do with marriage or family, we will save those for a future talk as well. Uh, until then, God bless you.
1: And may God's kindness shine brightly on your marriage this week.
0: We'll talk to you soon. Take care.